You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into Beaver Stadium. It is nearly 2 a.m. and Penn State is 7 and 0 on their 2019 season. I'm Tyler Donahue, Sean Fitz alongside me here. And Penn State, again, seven wins in seven games. Can't ask for much more than that. There's a lot more to it, of course, than that simple fact here on uh, mid-October. But again, the undefeated teams are dwindling, Sean. Penn State's still part of that conversation. They hit the road for Michigan State next week. We'll talk about that uh, further into the week. But right now, uh, a 28-21 to 21 win over Michigan. And, and I think if you told someone in August that Penn State was going to be 7-0 and, and beat Michigan by that score, they would have been extremely pleased. But I think right now there's a little bit of angst because of how this game turned out. Penn State was up 21-0. Again, we saw this kind of confusing lull that we've seen in the past from this program. But I feel like I'm going to keep circling back. Penn State is 7-0. Yeah, I think that's the way the thing to take away from it because, I mean, that's fandom these days is you're going to look for the negatives. You're going to look for, you know, what uh, what Penn State could have done better. And certainly when you go to look at the tape, there's going to be those those instances. But, yeah, I mean, you just beat uh, one of your biggest rivals in your conference, in your division, um, setting yourself up nicely for a trip to East Lansing next weekend. And, hey, that's what you got to take away from it. Uh, Penn State looked really, really good early. I mean, it looked like they could really run away with it and then kind of took that little nap in the middle of the uh, the game. I know I, know I, I appreciate that. But, uh, uh, no, I mean, Penn State's offense needs to figure out a way to, to, to keep clicking. It's not so much that they have to score on every possession, but the way that they've done it, they had a, they strung a couple three and outs together, and you saw that wear on the defense a little bit as it as the game progressed. Michigan took advantage, found the end zone. Penn State landed a huge counter punch with a big KJ Hamler touchdown. Uh, but uh, yeah, man, it was just uh, it was it was a, it was a game that was closer than it should have been. Really, I mean, Penn State uh, probably could have. You know, if they string a couple drives together, you know, that keeps the Michigan defense on the field. You know, you, you give yourself a chance for more plays. And really, that's what James Franklin said after the game was, hey, we missed some chances at big plays. Not necessarily, you know, you could see them all. I mean, you, you saw him overthrow a couple of receivers. He underthrew K.J. Hamler deep down the field. But, you know, there was there was pressure that, that, that resulted in sacks or scrambles or throwaways or everything like that, that, you know, Penn State could have broken a big play or something like that. So it, it's, it, I think there's a lot to dissect with that. But, I mean, you got to be happy. It's a win over Michigan. you got to be happy with that. Seven wins, zero losses. And I think I'm probably going to finish the podcast with saying that because that is really the, the point to hammer home here is Penn State is 7-0. and They're probably going to be the sixth-ranked team in the country. Wisconsin lost uh, on Saturday. And uh, so that 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 in shocking fashion, right? To yeah. Illinois, and, and it's an Illinois team, though. To their credit, with Lovey Smith, they they you know they've been kinda, yeah. they they had a game on their hands against Michigan last week, and now they beat Wisconsin. And Wisconsin looked like one of those teams that pretty much everybody was saying, like, let's see them play Ohio State, and they still will play Ohio State. And then that maybe this loss doesn't impact that game in terms of uh, competitive nature. But again, this was a contest in August, just what eight weeks ago. That people were viewing that, you know, and, and even the most diehard Indy Lions fans were saying, that's probably going to be a loss. Yeah, or well, that's going to be one that's going to be hard to win when you're trying to chalk up wins and losses over the course of the season. I picked Penn State to start 7-0. I picked them to lose their first game 
on the road to Michigan State. I can tell you right now, I'm not picking them to lose at Michigan State anymore, so they have exceeded my expectations. So I'm not surprised they've started at 7-0, but the way they've done it, uh, starting off 21 to nothing in a setting like this, Let's get right to it with Sean Clifford because we talked about Sean being wide-eyed in the in the Iowa game, and and you also mentioned in a great point in the in the pregame podcast that he's started to like play his fair share of night games. I mean, for for a first-year starter, he's got quite a bit a bit of experience of playing under the lights, and you know they came out. Jahan Dotson, a big-time reception. He's been consistently clutch for this offense. And then Pratt Fryermuth, and we mention this quite often during the week. Is this a week where he starts to really factor into the stat sheet? It was, and he scored a touchdown, and, and Clifford got off to a good start tonight, Sean. Clifford got off to a good start, but as as he goes, they go, and that's mm-hmm. really what we're going to see for the rest of the season, I think. you know, 14 of 25 for 182 yards and the three touchdowns. Now, Penn State really did a nice job of, of exploiting the matchups that they had all three Three touchdowns scored basically on man to man, and nobody was cutting, nobody was covering KJ Hamler man to man. And Pat Fryermuth did a nice job of sort of beating off Kalik Hudson for for the first touchdown. But yeah, Penn State got off and they got running. I mean, both sides of the ball seemed to be clicking. It was uh, it it, it looked like it was going to be a blowout. I mean, let's be honest. So um, Penn State jumped all over him. He hit the big pass play down to Jahan Dotson, which set up the touchdown to Fryermuth. Ricky Slade, who, whose name, honestly, we haven't really talked about this much in terms of other than the, the, the running back rotation in general, busted off a big run, his first big uh, big carry of the season, in addition to that, that the catch he had earlier, uh, I think that was against Pitt. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was good to see that going. Clifford picks up a nice third-down conversion on, you know, really <laughs> gutsy call. I mean, it was QB draw. I don't know if I call it a smart call because it's not going to work all the time, but, uh, hey, it worked this time. Got it done. Then he found the end zone early in the second quarter, and Penn State got on, uh, got up, and really capitalized on a turnover from Tariq Castro Fields. Yeah, he picked off Shea Patterson. We mentioned before that Shea Patterson had a bit of a penchant for turnovers, not necessarily in the interceptions, but he's had a fumble issue this year. And um, I will say this for Shea Patterson: he's a guy that we got on pretty heavy, especially me on the pregame show. I thought he, I thought he served himself well tonight uh, for the most part. I also think. Um, it's important to note on the play that would have tied this game up potentially and set up an extra point to tie it up or maybe even a two-point conversion for Michigan to win on the road, we saw Shea Patterson put the ball where it needed to be. And and, and honestly, it, there was a lot of drops for Michigan tonight. It reminded me a little yeah. bit of Penn State last year where you're just saying, man, what is going on with the situation? But Ronnie Bell, who played he played a pretty good game himself, he's the team's leading rush uh, receiver coming into this matchup, he, I mean, I know Lamont Wade was was blanketing him, and Lamont Wade was on coverage there, but that should be a That's catch. That's got to be a catch he makes. Yeah, no doubt about it. Ronnie Bell had a really good night. Also had the touchdown call back where he caught the uh, deflection that, I mean, that was crazy to watch, and, and Michigan ended up getting two of those in the game. Um, but going back into the first half, Penn State hasn't played a screen very well all season. Tariq Castro-Fields sticks his nose in there. Picks off the pass, and all of a sudden, Penn State's got great field position. Uh, you, you find yourself once again uh, basically cover zero against KJ Hamler, and that's a that's a matchup Penn State's going to take all day. I mean, seemed like he was you know just floating it out there. KJ ran underneath of it. Uh, brilliant touchdown, really twenty one nothing. And you thought you know that's it. I think I think some people actually tweeted that hey, this one this one could be over. 
really wasn't in that sense. I mean, I, 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 we, we were both pretty down on Michigan and in coming into the into the game. Thought they were a pretty solid team. I thought, you know, they're overhyped undoubtedly coming into the season. They're not a playoff team, but yep. this is probably a nine or ten win team. It's pretty pretty solid ball club. And to their credit, uh, and they deserve some credit. They, they they didn't back down. They came right back down, scored to made it twenty one to seven. Got into halftime with a manageable deficit, and really came after Clifford and came after Penn State's offensive line with numbers in the second and third quarters, and really that's what set them back. They proved us wrong. We said there was a snowball situation where if you got if you jumped on Michigan early, that they would basically tuck their tail and and and, and curl up in the fetal position and, and wait to get the plane back to Ann Arbor, and that didn't happen. So credit to them for that. And also, you know, Penn State in this game, uh, the way they started, I, I it, you know, it's, it's it's one of those games, much like Purdue, but but much different than Purdue because this is a game where all eyes were on it nationally, uh, and and Michigan, of course, was viewed as a potential college football playoff competitor coming into this season. But I, the way they started this game said a lot, I, I think, in, in terms of setting the tone. Sean Clifford coming out, and by the way, now Sean Clifford in his first four Big Ten games, three of them he's totaled four touchdowns. Um, but I think again, people are going to say, "Well, what happened the rest of the way?" Um, and 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 we're going to get to this. I don't know when we're going to get to this, Sean. But you look at the box score, and and Sean Clifford did for for what I saw, far too much heavy lifting in the ground game compared to compared to what we kind of anticipated. Clifford had eleven carries for seventeen yards. Uh, of course, sack sack totals are getting there, and and Michigan got to him twice. But, I mean, five carries for Noah Kane, four carries for Journey Brown, three carries for Ricky Slade, one for, uh, one for, uh, excuse me, one for Devin Ford and two for KJ Hamler. That KJ Hamler one we're going to get to later yeah. was a big, big carry. But yeah, they seem to stick with that rotation no matter what, I guess. I mean, people pining for Noah Kane. He only got five carries. Now, eventually he did come in and do what exactly what we thought he could do. And that's close it out and get a couple of big carries, uh, to set up the first down that, that iced the game. But, yeah, not a, not a bunch of rhythm in there. And, of course, Ricky Slade uh, busted the big run early. He, he ended up being Penn State's leading rusher with three carries for 48 yards, including that 44-yarder. But really not uh, – I think that was more of the story than, than the Noah Kane thing is Michigan, even down 21 to nothing, did not abandon the run. Penn State up 21 nothing. Just completely got away from them. Yeah, I don't really understand the the approach in this one. I think this is a game that when they reassess it tomorrow morning, and, and quite frankly, these coaches, you know, they'll be reassessing it tonight. They're doing it right now. Um, you know, I asked Franklin, uh, third question of the press conference. I was amazed that it, it reached a third question that it wasn't asked about. And I yeah, said, I saw, I saw I saw Dave Jones' column where he quoted <laughs> you. Yeah. I said, you know, we were told this week that Noah Kane had earned that kind of four minute offense closer role. And this was a game that really from midway through the second quarter on, it felt like a game where you're looking to close it. You want to close the game. You're up 21-0. And yet Noah Kane had zero carries in the first half, three carries going into the final few minutes of the game, and ends up uh, with five carries for the game, which led all running backs. And that tells you a lot as well. They love all four of these running backs from what we've been told. They didn't treat them like they loved any of them. Tonight. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and I'll be honest with you. I mean, if, if you're scoring 21 points right off the bat, I don't care if Noah Kane carries the ball or not. I mean, that's just the way it goes. 
But, I mean, you got to get to him at some point. I mean, he's kind of your, your guy that's going to grind it out. And Penn State, I think it's more of a theme of got away from the run instead of uh, and, and tried to pass their way out of it. They even did that in the fourth quarter, trying to run some clock out. Now, granted, they, I guess it was kind of safe. You threw a short pass to, to a running back. Then you took a sack, and then you you threw another short pass to a running back, which kept the clock moving. But still, I mean, you're you're just getting away from that whole thing. Three and outs when you're not throwing the ball. I mean, that's going to put your defense in a bad spot. Felt like the same old story that we've seen plague this team, and it really almost came back to hunt them at, at the end of this game. And again, last year against Michigan State, last year against Ohio State, 2017 against both of those programs, that's what crushed you, the inability to close out games. And it felt like... Uh, you know, and I, and I talked about this on the podcast on, on Thursday, or fr- I'm sorry, Friday, where I said, wow, they've got this element to their offense, and it's different, and it's something that has been needed, and maybe this is what pushes them over the edge, and I don't know what happened here. I think we should probably start out by, by saying th- the rushing totals were low, but the plays were low. They had 54 total plays, Sean, Michigan at 82. Right. Uh, they had 283 total yards. Michigan had 417. They had 14 first downs. Michigan had 26. People are going to look at this game, and they're going to come up with a lot of questions and and concerns and issues about Penn State. And this is where, again, I will will hang on for a second, and I will circle back and say Penn State is 7-0. They're probably (laughs) going to be the sixth-ranked team in the country. Yeah, Penn State, I mean, you're right. That's the way to take it away. But, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, the rhythm, the flow. I know a lot of people are going to be upset with Ricky Ronnie. I'm, I'm curious to see the tape to see what was there. Um, Don Brown does, you know, I'm a big Don Brown fan. He, he puts people in gaps. I talked to Michael Mennett after the game. And that's the thing about this defense is not overly complicated, but you put people in gaps, you throw numbers at them, and that's what happens. Now, Penn State uh, twice in the second, or excuse me, in the third quarter, uh, went run, pass, pass, and three and out. So both times. So yeah. I mean, I mean, there's there's more predictability in there. More, uh, and granted, the second one was one was a drive when he should have hit Pat Fryermuth, who sat down in the zone perfectly, and and Clifford just let one sail. But man, you gotta you gotta get there. I mean, it, it, if you if you want your quarterback to win you games, that's great. Um, but if you're if you got a lead and you're ready to go, I, I mean, just just let somebody else do some of the the heavy lifting. Don't put it all on him. Michigan goes. 75 yards on nine plays in the fourth quarter to make it a 28-21 game. They used four four minutes and 30 seconds. So for one, you're thinking, okay, we need our defense on the sideline for a bit. We need Our defense has been tremendous this year. We need to give them some time if we have to look back to them. That's, that's how the staff needs to, to view the situation. The first play of this game, uh, first play of Penn State's possession, and this is where it felt like, deja vu on, on the team I, I hate to use the term cute it just felt like they were trying to be cute instead of just being direct and they went for a negative four yard play on the first play to ricky slade mm-hmm. and this is exactly where this penn state team has put itself in key moments when everything matters behind against, the sticks against, yeah. against michigan state against ohio state michigan has been kind of the the, the outlier here because it's been a blowout one way or the other the last couple of years but this is exactly the situation here's what they did Negative four yards on a pass to Ricky Slade. Then you put Sean Clifford in a situation where he needs to make a play. Takes a five-yard sack. Third and 19. I mean, that's that's just, you can't, what do you do with that? Do you put Sean Clifford in a, in a position to try to pick up 20 yards and potentially 
turn the ball over. You know, they ended up completing a very short pass to Ricky Slade and punting the ball back to Michigan. And what did Michigan do after a three-yard negative, uh, three-play negative three-yard possession for Penn State that did not feature Noah Kane, who we've been told is the closer and who has shown that in the last couple weeks and then really throughout his freshman season? Well, Michigan gets back on the field and they take it to Penn State and they get in a goal line opportunity down by seven. And you're just saying this feels like a lesson that's already been learned. Yeah, in a hard way. Yeah, yeah, and and, and you know you're not going to get away with that against uh, Michigan or excuse me, uh, Ohio State or possibly Michigan State on the road. Now Michigan State's not going to give you the offense that you know you're really scared of. It, but then again, Brian lewerke has been sort of all world against them uh, when he's played them. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's just, it's concerning. Um, end of the game, took a little bit, you know, alleviated some of that concern, but they were to go, able to get a first down and get going. But, yeah, in the middle of the game, it just, you know, you just put it on cruise control and go from there. And that's I think that's certainly something that Penn State fans will, uh, you know, I guess contest coming out of this one. And to me, it's not even a situation where I think it's defensible. And it's funny that we're talking about what's defensible and what's not. 7-0. Number six in the country, probably. Right, right. <laughs> but we're talking about a team that if hey, you're playing the drink, the seven and zero drinking game. You're having a hell of a night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 stay tuned. Pour yourself another. It's coming later. But <laughs> but uh, you know, I think when you look at this, you can't even make the argument that Penn State. Well, we tried to run the ball, and then we had to turn away from it. They didn't try to run the ball. Like, right. We saw Sean Clifford take on uh, take on a bit of that burden, obviously with the eleven carries. But you know, it really looked like last week, and I said this on the post game podcast in Iowa City last weekend. 22 carries for Noah Kane may as well have been 35. Mm-hmm. It just felt like it was such a huge number compared to what we've seen for this backfield. Five was the high number for this backfield, and that was because Noah Kane got involved in the very final possession. And guess what he did, Sean? He went forward. Yeah, he That's went forward, he and he got five yards on the first play, put him in a second-and-five situation instead of a second-and-14 situation. And I am. this is not me saying that you should not have Ricky Slade out on the field in crucial moments, but you should have your best situational football approach when situational football is required. And this was directly asked of James Franklin this week, and I directly asked him after the game. And it wasn't something that he turned away from. It's not something that he got defensive about, to his credit. And and he ultimately ended up leading into, we have four running backs that we like. But I think very clearly, they understand that they dropped the ball in some way here because there was an element of this game that they got to walk away from the stadium thinking, how do we let it get to the point where we had to rely on a Michigan receiver dropping the ball in the end zone with a couple minutes to go to survive 7-0? and Yeah. Yeah, 7-0. There it is. Um, two <laughs> things on that. Uh, it's worth mentioning Ricky Slade, in addition to the big run, his pass protection was pretty good. Yeah. Um, now, granted, we're talking about they need to run the ball, so pass protection is probably not where we're <laughs> trying to put it. But also Sean Clifford, once again, protect the football. One turnover in this game. Seven points from uh, Penn State got seven points off of it, and that's the difference yeah. in the game. Zero turnovers for Penn State, uh, uh, right? Right? Uh, yeah, zero. Yeah, zero. T- I mean, that's that's big. I mean, this is a Michigan defense that deserves respect. They went on the road at Iowa. Sorry, the Beaver Stadium <laughs> lights just went <laughs> just out. Just shut so, out the yeah. uh, the lights at Beaver Stadium. Are they telling us something? Um, as it turns to two a.m. here, um, zero turnovers at Iowa. Zero turnovers against Michigan. And again, seven games now. Sean Clifford, 
two total turnovers. And he told me today after the game, that's too, too many. I love that answer. I love it. I love it. I love it. But he's got 19 total touchdown versus those two, and we're still going to nitpick. And people are probably on the message board. Well, they're definitely on the message yeah, board. They're and they're there. saying yeah. Sean Clifford is a problem. I've seen someone on the message boards refer to him as the 22nd best starting, well, uh, the worst starting member of this team, I guess You're is probably really the way to put it. About that, yeah. I don't understand that. I just don't understand. I think that, that you need to take a longer look across college football at the quality of quarterback play and lack thereof that is totally derailing some teams who have talent at so many positions, but they can't put it together and have even a a, a, a decent situation at, at quarterback, and it's, and it's crushing their dreams. You've got a pretty good situation here for a first-year starting quarterback. Look at Mississippi State. Now, they thought they've had their starting quarterback, and look what's going on there. You know, the, the, and you can look across the Big Ten. You can look across college football. Sean Clifford has 19 total touchdowns. Two turnovers in seven games, and he hasn't lost a game as a starter yet. So, again, I'm going to throw all those numbers at you over and over and over as long as it makes sense. But, again, Sean understands, and, 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 and he needs to be held accountable for it. But at the same time, why is he the guy who's being asked to go pick up, you know, to, to, to negotiate these kind of drives when you're up 21 nothing? Why are you not leaning on an offensive line that, again, we're not talking about it in a way, in a bad way coming out of Michigan. I think they passed the test today in, 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 in a lot of ways. And we've talked about, and the, and, the, and the coaching staff has talked about it, we love all four of these running backs. They're all talented. They all can flash. I didn't see them get opportunities to do that today in, in, a, in a lot of regards. Why is Sean Clifford being tasked and, and being put in a situation where up 21 nothing, up 21-7, He's got to be the guy who sustains these drives with his arm, where he's got to make something happen with his feet. And I think that's setting him up for scrutiny, and that's setting him up for some criticism. But I think those who are really dialing in on Sean Clifford being some kind of weak link, boy, oh boy, can I, can I tell you, it could be a lot worse for Penn State at quarterback right now. Could be a lot worse. Now, in, in breaking it down, in the third quarter, that was a problem. He was 0 for 4 passing. Penn State had 16 total yards in the third quarter. I think two first downs. Uh, excuse me, third quarter. Uh, I think two first downs. I mean that that was trouble right there, and that's that. Those are the things that he's got to avoid, you know. And I and and what's the answer for that? I don't know. You know, without taking a look at the film, I don't know. Uh, you know, they they did try to get the backs involved, maybe try and get him some easy completions. He missed a couple easy completions. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, there's no real answer. But the, what it, what comes away from it is he protected the football. He got the he got the ball into the people's hands that really know what to do. I mean, KJ Hamler was f- fantastic tonight, um, and I can't stress enough that he's a Michigan native, and Michigan really wasn't in the picture, which is is got to come back and bite them at some point. Six catches, 108 yards, two touchdowns, and he really put the game away. Quite literally, put the game away. For he him. did, and and I said it before. He is a guy who thrives in this spot. He is a guy who wants to be under the under the bright lights with everybody watching, and he will – this is his spot. I mean, this is where his element is. And, I mean, this goes back to him as a recruit before he suffered that, that bad knee injury going into his senior year at the start. At the opening, he was – I mean, I think it was a three-star, but he was like Tua Tagovailoa's number one target on the winning seven-on-seven seven, seven seven tournament team. And he just balled out, and he talked smack, and he backed it up, and I loved everything about it. And he's been the same kind of guy since he's emerged at Penn State. And he will look at you in your face, and if you ask them, why are you good, he will tell you, because I am. And he doesn't need to explain why. And and, and this is – he's in his element. And, and, and obviously, I think we had our midseason superlatives, and I said – 
Well, I can't believe no one ended up. And I, know I, left, you I left it open for you. To take <laughs> yeah, him. yeah. Well, he would have been a great choice for MVP, yeah. and so he certainly was the offensive MVP tonight. Here, here's a play. I mean, the the play before the touchdown, the fifty, the big fifty-three yarder, where uh, I don't know if you noticed the D back just kind of gave up when the ball was in the air. He just kind of threw his hands yeah, up and said, that? "I'm not doing this." Um, but the play before that, I mean, that was a huge play. Third and five, they hit Hamler on a slant. He makes a ter- terrific catch. Um, and then it just sets up for, you know, they, they, they tried to cover a man. And they just, I mean, they just ran him straight at Metellus, who was kind of playing off into a, in a safety uh, manner. He just blew right by him. Sean Clifford put the ball where he needed to. And, and Clifford missed a couple of those shots tonight. And, you know, those those are never, you're never going to hit 100% of those shots. But, man, he hit that one. And that's uh, a counterpunch that really, I wasn't sure watching that game at 21-14 at the time. Wasn't sure if Penn State had that in them, in them based off what we saw in the third quarter. So they came back, they counterpunched, and it was a haymaker, and it, it really ended up being the difference. I'm looking at their drives here, Sean, in the second half uh, for Penn State, and it took them a long time to get to the point where the first play of the possession was for Sean to hand the ball off to a running back. Right. There are a few here where he took off and ran for a yard or two. Uh, the aforementioned negative uh, four-yard pass to Ricky Slade, and guess what? We get all the way down to two minutes to go in this game where he hands it off to Noah Kane. There he for was. For a five-yard gain on first down, that is what sets you up to be successful as a quarterback, as a team. And we just did not see them have a concerted focus on establishing those kind of situations. And let's not forget, defense had a nice little uh, goal line stand there. You mentioned, you know, a drop helped, but still, I mean, they buckled down when they needed to. I mean, that's a game-tying drive, and they, you know, really, I think it's, you're going to focus on the drop, but uh, leading up to that, those couple plays, I mean, Tariq Castro Fields running running Shea Patterson out of bounds at the three, that's a big deal. A couple other um, just plays and just with their backs against the wall, I think they did a really good th- a really good job. Now, 21 points seems like a lot on this defense, right. uh, especially after the way that they started. And the Michigan offense, of course, had, hadn't had the most uh, sparkling of reputations for putting up points. But really, I mean, the defense did what they needed to do. I mean, you can't come away from this thinking that, uh, you know, the defense is responsible for any sort of doubt that you have about this team. Uh, they were on the field a lot. I think you mentioned 82 plays to Penn State's 56. Time of possession was huge in Michigan's favor, and that's, you know, in a game like this where both teams are trying to run the ball, where both teams are trying to, you know, do what they can to to play the field position game, to do all that kind of stuff. You know, the Penn State's defense was, was very good. Uh, led by once again Micah Parsons, uh, career high in tackles was that fourteen or sixteen tackles? Fourteen. Four, fourteen tackles. Cam Brown had ten tackles. Um, they did a really nice job out there. The sack numbers were not there today. One sack on the day, and it actually came from a safety, Garrett Taylor, coming up and, and getting that one former Michigan commit. By the yeah, way. yeah, and, and he had an interesting recruitment, and he's yeah, that had to feel good for him. Uh, but one sack, three tackles for loss. Those aren't exactly the numbers that we've become accustomed to for Penn State coming into this game. They were number two in, in sacks per game for the country. I believe number three or four for tackles for loss. That was close to ten. The sack average was about four and a half. So I mean, Michigan's offense. Was was not a train wreck tonight, uh, and, and but again, that came from the safety position. We uh, a lot of times I was watching out there, and it just they weren't even close to Shea Patterson on a lot of these plays. He had time, um, but yeah, you know, I think when you look at this team and, and this defense, you know, they're going to be pretty upset about giving up 21 points. And, and even though they came up with that stop uh, at the end of the game on a, on a fourth down, and by the way, I want to mention this: 
easily could have been 28-14 tonight. That Shea Patterson touchdown sneak that they called on a fourth down, they gave him the touchdown. It took forever for the ref to come in and throw his arms up to 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 you know insinuate it was a touchdown. Everybody else was acting, uh, the other refs, the other officials out there were acting as though it was a stop and that Penn State was going to have the ball on the one foot line and, and, and have the, and have an opportunity to, you know, close that game out. Instead, a ref came in and I felt like it was seven, eight seconds, uh, until he, he showed up and threw his arms up. And the reason I say this, I'm not just saying it's, you know, it's a poor officiating call. Hey, I get it. If he saw what he saw, but it matters because it matters on the, on the review. The, the call matters. The because review mattered you, because... The chances we, of that getting overturned. Yeah. Now, granted, we're, we're, we, we covered a game last week, but <laughs> yeah. the chances of that getting overturned is just uh, almost minuscule because I mean, yes. he disappears into that pile. Whether or not he got in, I, you know, I don't know. That's I didn't, the thing. And I don't yeah. know if there was an angle. Maybe folks watching on TV had a better angle than what we saw. I we were trying to watch. Yeah. yeah, we were trying to see, and we, we saw from the press box, and we got a little bit on television. And we got a little bit on the on the uh, the screen here at Beaver Stadium, but I mean, I never saw anything that definitively showed him crossing the plane. But the situation you get in is if they initially call that a stop, they're not overturning it. There's no visual evidence that we saw that you would overturn it and say he actually scored. But in turn, the call in the field because of that late decision by the official was a touchdown. And again, you're not overturning anything off of what we saw because it was such a scrum in there. So I do want to make note of that. I thought that was that was something to, to mention here. But defensively, Micah Parsons said 21 points is not going to get the job done. They think they're going to lose when they give up 21 points. And uh, this this defense has not given up touchdown multiple touchdowns in a game until today. And they were tested. I mean, this was a game where they faced 80 plus plays. Um, we saw a lot of players. Uh, I have to take a look at, at you know when we get the the stat counts from from our tremendous member of our Lions twenty four seven community. But I didn't get the sense that there was as much of a dispersion across the field as we've seen in the past. And so this was a different kind of of test for this defense. It felt like. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. I mean, you you can nitpick some of the defense. They missed a couple tackles. Jaquan Brisker missed a tackle on the edge that you know potentially changes how the the flow of that uh, that second half goes um the zone kind of sat back and i think they kind of waited for shea patterson to beat him and, and patterson made some good throws his receivers made some good plays they also dropped a bunch of passes which is gonna you know they're gonna be kicking themselves about that one but uh yeah i mean it's uh it's this defense taking control of things and, and they did that at the end and i think that's you know uh, you got to go out on a high note they certainly did that and and they put it in the you know, back in the offense's hands, and, and you know, to to be honest, I mean, maybe we're, you know, maybe we have low expectations, but you know, Penn State got that first down. They needed one first down. They got it. Um, it was definitely uh, every bit of KJ Handler took him to get him to, to get there on third down. But really, I mean, that offensive line, uh, Noah Kane got the first two carries, and then they give it to Hamler, who you know it looked like a jet sweep. He turned that thing back up inside and and sort of pounded out the the, the yardage they needed. And that desperation was, uh, review on that one, he was clearly yeah beyond yeah. The I mean, it was I, I mean, why not? You yeah. know, basically. <laughs> uh, but but uh, and by the way, we we got KJ post game. If you're wondering about his health status because he was down on the ground for a bit after taking a hit, uh, a shot to the head. Talk to him. Seemed like KJ Hamler to me, so I think that's probably that can maybe dispel a little concern for our listeners out there who were wondering how, how he's feeling. Getting back to the Penn State offense, Sean, uh, third third down situation. They took a step back today. We had we had really given them quite a bit of praise coming into this one. Uh, three consecutive games in the Big Ten coming out of the bye week. 
with 50-plus percentage on their conversion rate against Iowa, against Purdue, against Maryland. Each game, they were above 50%. Going into the bye week, they were at 23%, one of the worst in the country in terms of actually moving the chains on third down. In this game, you know, again, uh, I think part of it, let's factor in that they were not giving themselves short yardage distance. I, I haven't crunched the numbers. We haven't done any math here. Uh, we've come up here after the interviews, and, and we're talking to you uh, pretty fresh out of this and working off the box score. Yeah, you're thinking third and eight and, and right. plus. I mean, yeah. that's, and, that's and pretty if, uh, I would felt like it was third and three, third and four, and, and it kind of felt like the same deal on their solid drives against Purdue. And Actually, Purdue, it felt like they didn't hit many third downs early. They just scored and, point, scored and scored and yeah. scored. But in this game, it was definitely reared its head. Kind of the ugly, old habits of this Penn State offense that has kind of plagued it a little bit in spots. They came away with a win today, but again, it was short three and outs and punting the ball and giving the ball back to the team and giving them more opportunities. It was not establishing yourself on those early downs and setting up Sean Clifford for success or getting yourself a chance to, to hand it to a guy like Noah Kane or any of these running backs on a short yard situation. And ultimately, that led to a 4 of 13 on third down, Sean. Yeah, and and I've, the K.J. Hamler 25-yard touchdown was on a third and three. And I was, that's you know one of the ones they got, but still manageable distance, give yourself some options to do things. And Penn State likes to run it from that look. Um, and then they just got what they wanted in terms of coverage and sort of let KJ loose. I think that was Brad Hawkins on the coverage, and he just got turned inside out, and there was no no chance of stopping uh, Hamler at that point. But yeah, they went back to Hamler. Uh, you know, we talk about diversity in the run game. Also, the pass game really looked a little bit different this week. You got, you had Hamler getting seven targets. Pat Fryermuth got four targets, three catches, twenty eight yards, and a touchdown. Um, and then really, I mean, nothing to the ex receiver, Justin Shorter or Daniel George were not. I don't targeted. get it, man. I, I don't because uh, there was time, and th- this has really been a weekly thing where I say, "Oh, hey, that's Justin Shorter. I remember that guy. He was freaking awesome coming here, and and he really does like. I think he has his his head on his shoulders now. I think he's really." Uh, bonded with, with Jared Parker and, and developed, as I documented in the story I wrote earlier this week, and, and kind of setting aside all this external stuff that accompanied him as a five-star recruit and, and kind of that, that stuff that can serve as baggage as you develop on a college campus. But he's not getting a chance to fight for the ball, to, can, to, to fight for the ball. And you got to feed this guy. Yeah, and, and the same goes for Daniel George, a very talented player in his own right. I don't want to, to disregard him because he is an impressive player as well. I think, speaking with you and Mark, we may have seen a documented target for Daniel George, but it wasn't really a catchable situation. It was a throwaway. Yeah. Right, and so to me, that remains a, a very noticeable missing piece yeah and and it's not even about justin shorter or daniel george it's i mean of course it's not you've got that x position that you're just kind of ignoring and that's you know that's progressions that's you know part of the offense as part of lining him up on the opposite side of Jahan Dotson and, and KJ Hamler. This is game seven. Who combined? I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's getting, we're starting to get late to, to start to wonder, is this, is this position going to be utilized? Right. Capitalized upon? Right. These yeah. kind of talented players. I mean, everyone's saying the right things about Daniel George and Justin Shorter, and we continue to hear that Justin Shorter's breakout is, is, is going to happen at any time. And, and to me, I look at Justin Shorter, I see who he's going against and, I'm thinking there's probably a matchup that you like there. And, and Eventually, I, you yeah. think so, yeah. So, so. I, I don't know, and, and I guess we'll stay tuned for next week, but I think that's something that we'll continue to kind of to keep our eye on, I guess, as we monitor. Um, but coming away from this one, I think the 
big conversation, Sean, uh, aside from the fact that Penn State is 7-0. And let's face it, nationally, this is going to be viewed as a big-time win. It's going to be viewed as Penn right. State thrusting itself into the college football conversation. Locally, which is what we do, it, we go through it with a, a much more detailed, uh, you know, a, a approach, and we do it every day. And I'll be, you know, we'll be at practice, and we'll be at every single media availability, and I'll be on every single player phone call, and we'll try to get to every single detail of this program. And I think the big question coming out of here, and the, the question that I asked is, if Noah Kane's your guy in in these spots, why aren't you just running with it? Is it? Are, are you trying to appease everybody? Or are you trying to, you know, win in different ways and, and kind of flex your muscles and being able to do that with different offensive str- strategy? Or is it more of a fact that you don't have that identity? Because it really felt like Penn State was developing an identity for itself. Yeah, and I think that's that the, went by the wayside. That's the biggest part for me is not so much the Noah Kane specifically, but give give him a, a chance. Running back. To give give somebody a chance <laughs> yeah. to do it. Five carries for your your top running back. Four, three, and one, basically. I mean, I got questions about uh, how that's going to work. You know, it's just kind of you, you got to put yourself in the right position if you want to run some clock, if you want to get that game moving a little bit faster. I mean, I understand that you know the you take what's there and try and give you, but you know sometimes you you, you give it up and you let them plow ahead and see and what he can get out of it. It's not like they were running against a brick wall. I mean, sometimes there's games where you say, "Oh crap, we can't run the ball yeah, today." You know, and, Michigan, and we've seen Michigan's that. Michigan's defense was good. I'm very, very, very good but, after that initial shock. But did any of these guys? that we're mentioning get a chance to say, hey, I can run on this team. No one got a chance to say, I can run on this team. I'm a great running back. I can run on Michigan's defense. No one was provided the opportunity to do that, Sean, and I think that's the question here. No one was even given a series to say, you take the ball, you show us that you can beat them up, move the chains, give us a chance. And we, that's what's concerning to me. And honestly, I think it's a very easy fix. I mean, that's the good thing for Penn State. They I mean, find different ways to utilize these guys. It's not like it's not like we're sitting here saying, oh, my gosh, they need a running back. They don't have a running back. But coming into this game, Devin Ford's at like seven and a half yards of carry. Journey Brown's almost at seven yards of carry. Uh, Noah Kane's at five and a half yards of carry. These guys were getting it done. And, and I just don't think anyone was truly given an opportunity to say, Oh, yeah, Michigan's defense, I heard they're good. I'm a damn good running back, and I'm going to run the ball on them. 13 carries for 88 yards, if I'm doing the math correctly, for running backs tonight. 11 carries for 17 yards for Sean Clifford. So, obviously, that's something that needs, you know, you can definitely take a long look at it. Getting back to uh, notables coming away from the game. Of course, we mentioned K.J. Hamler was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Non-rugby style, Blake Gillikin was very good. <laughs> Penn State won the field position battle. They won the turnover battle. They won the play, the penalty battle. Uh, James Franklin said they won the chunk plays battle. That might be a little bit of a toss-up, but uh, they got the chunk plays that they needed. Uh, they landed that big counter punch with the Hamler touchdown late. And really, I mean, uh, they played a very sound, complimentary game, even if it wasn't the most interesting game they played. 7-0. and That's the Penn State team right now. And by the way, I don't know if you heard. this. We was forgot about that, yeah. Uh, quite a recruiting event going yeah. on here uh, for the Whiteout, and Penn State picked up its second commitment of the 2021 cycle. Yeah, for the well, the third commitment, the second guy in the class. <laughs> yeah. um, but Nate Bruce from Harrisburg, this is a guy we've kind of been saying it's more of a matter of when than a matter of if he commits to Penn State. Uh, you know, we had yesterday in our S zone on, on the site that, you know, this is probably going to be the weekend that it happened. Um, he jumped on board, but uh, Steve Wilfong and Brian Doan have been bringing us uh, actually updates. I'm getting, getting texts right now. Into the late hours. In, into yeah. the late hours <laughs> of the night with, uh, you know, 
atmosphere responses and stuff like that. And, you know, it's always going to be good. But, uh, you know, you get you come out here, you, you, the, the atmosphere was fantastic. Yeah. Those guys aren't talking about third down conversion rates. Right, right. right. Yeah, they're not talking. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, what was it, 110,669 people. Fourth all time. Announced fourth all time. The atmosphere was really good. It was loud till the end. And I think that's something that's going to resonate with them for a long, long time. Yeah, so Nate Bruce, uh, he's a guy that we both – Sprinted to the crystal ball for it in the summer when he got his offer coming off of a camp. And um, I, I, I know his offensive line coach pretty well. He's a guy I actually recruited two Rutgers way back in the day, uh, Richard Muldrow. And, and he's working with that group right now, doing a fantastic job. And uh, Nate Bruce, you know, I think anytime you can continue to cultivate what you've got going on in the recruiting trail with a program like Harrisburg is beneficial to you. Um, obviously, last last cycle we saw Andre White, a linebacker, end up with Texas A&M. That was a bit of a surprise. I think a lot of people had him pegged to follow Micah Parsons and and Damian Barber to Happy Valley. But you know, Nate Bruce adds to that collection. And Sean, as we documented, uh, I believe uh, on the pregame podcast on Friday, you know, the offensive line was a big theme today in terms of recruiting. They did a great job getting some of their top targets on campus, and we'll break down a lot of that recruiting later in the week. But I do think right now. Coming out of this game, and again, the perception nationally is different than the perception locally right now, where you're going to hear where people don't see this as being enough, and then they're going to find uh, holes to, to poke at in this performance. Nationally, it's a different story, and recruits get the highlights on ESPN and, and or, or what have you on, on, on you know, Twitter now, and it's it's 50 seconds or so, and it shows Penn State beating Michigan and improving a 7-0, and and Today was a good day for Penn State long-term and, and, and in their recruiting efforts, and I think that's particularly the case with the 2021 recruiting class. I'm going to talk to recruits. You'll talk to recruits. Brian Doan will talk to recruits. Steve, Steve Wilfong will talk to recruits. And if you're a VIP member, you'll get all of it. If you're not a VIP member, by the way, buy one month right now, get two for free. Got to mention that. Yeah, there it, there is. it is. And that's extended till Monday because Penn State won, so you got a little bit more time uh, to, to take advantage of that offer. But Sean, again, I, I think this is a win that, that does matter on the recruiting trail. Oh, it absolutely matters on the recruiting trail, and it matters for this team. I mean, we, we often get caught looking ahead to what it means for next year, what it means for the recruiting class. But, hey, man, Wisconsin went down today, so you think about it. Mm -hmm. They get Ohio State next week. I mean, they lose two games, and all of a sudden, Minnesota's got a little bit of a cushion to, to try and get to the Big Ten championship game. They've got a little bit of a easier path, I would say, even though Penn State does go out there in a few weeks. But uh, it's gonna, it, it might end up having playoff. Uh, you know, it might end up impacting the playoff because you know Penn State. Say Penn State, you know, wins out until they get to Ohio State, and event. You know, if Ohio State beats them, they're still eleven and one. Well, Wisconsin's not going to be the same eleven and one if they don't. You know, it's it, it can cause a whole. Uh, ruckus, because that's, I mean, that's the important thing is that one in the loss column is going to... How did you get it? Yeah. When did you get it? Why did you get it? No, it, it's more that it's there. I think that's oh, the oh, thing. Of course, it's of there. Course. And, you know, this zero's here for Penn State. And, hey, uh, they'll take 7-0 and over, over a good 6-1 and one any day. Zero in the loss column, as long as you can maintain that, will get you in the college football playoff. Um, although I, I prefer to call it the Power 5 playoff because it won't get you in if you're not in a Power 5 conference. You can go on being two years in a row and not get in, which is... Complete crap, You've in my opinion. All the takes tonight. Well, I mean, it's ridiculous how they've really... I mean, just call yeah, it the Power yeah, 5 yeah, playoff yeah. and give the group group of five their own trophy, I suppose, because you're not letting them enjoy the conversation. So I think, though, with Penn State, yeah, you keep that zero in there, it's huge. Um, that Ohio State game is going to be continued to be billed as, as a game that 
maybe is a quasi-playoff game for, for, uh, for a lot of intents and purposes. I think whoever comes out of the East will be the favorite in Indianapolis, regardless of the matchup, and that's been a consistent trend in the Big Ten, and they'll be a favorite to win. The also trend in the Big Ten is the winner of the Big Ten does not get into the college football playoff. So that's also an issue for the conference. But um, we're getting ahead of ourselves a bit because this is a Michigan State team. I don't care how they're playing. they got a bye week right now. They've beaten Penn State the last couple times in, in really heartbreaking fashion for Nittany Lions fans. And we'll turn our attention there. But, uh, Sean, again, 7-0. Yep. Penn State, Nittany Lions, 7-0. If you've been sitting in traffic, if you've been on your ride home because hotel prices are ridiculous up here, we thank you for joining us. And if you wake up on Sunday morning and decide to give us a listen, we appreciate it. Of course, check us out at the site, lions247.com. I am Sean Fitz. He is Tyler Donahue. Penn State is 7-0, and and I think that's uh, that's a good way to leave it. Yeah, bye, guys. It's, it's getting dark here in Beaver Stadium. It is 2.25 in the morning, and we appreciate you all. Again, uh, we'll be back with a couple episodes on the podcast this week, and I'm heading out to East Lansing, so another week ahead, 7-0.